it almost seemed like an inevitable problem, or at least one that happened very frequently. My dad and I, while we were working on some project on the farm, we would get into the midst of getting it done. That we would have gone to the store and picked up all the parts that we thought we needed, whether it was some sort of plumbing, electrical, or maybe even some sort of mechanical thing for some machine on the farm. That we would have gone and picked up all of the parts we thought we needed, we got into the midst of it, and we started taking everything apart and shutting something down. And we were getting into the middle of the point where we started to put things back together, and all of a sudden, we'd realize we were missing something. Or perhaps something else was broken that we hadn't anticipated before. And it would create all sorts of problems because all of a sudden we were running into town very quickly to find whatever that part was. Because we needed to have that water back on or we needed to have the electric back on by the evening. Or we needed that machine tomorrow. It was a sign that we were committed to getting that thing done, but especially out of necessity that it had to be completed. And as often in life as we experience those types of things, there's so many more that we can come up with. That we're at the DMV and we forgot that one document. Or maybe we went grocery shopping earlier in the day and we realized we forgot that one thing that we really went to the store for. That all of these things, they give us a moment where we realize we have to go back and we're committed to this one thing, and yet we still have to do more. And these are not optional, these are necessities, these are things that we have to get done. But what about the things that might seem a little bit more optional? What about the things that might seem like there's something that are nice to do or maybe on the side? Are we as committed to those things? Because I dare say oftentimes our, our faith life might fit into that category. That sometimes it seems like something that we get to whenever we have time or something that's kind of on the side that's nice to do, but maybe it doesn't require as much commitment as these other things. But maybe it requires more. And that's really what the readings in the gospel give us to consider this morning, that how much faith and how much commitment will our life of faith really take? And so we start off with this reading from the Book of Wisdom. Who can know the Lord's counsel or who can conceive of his intent? All of these lofty questions that the Book of Wisdom is trying to encounter. But then it even starts to go down to our own human mode of operation. We would expect that the things of heaven we may not know very easily, but what about the things that we might be able to know a little bit more readily? Our deliberations, our plans, all of those things. That the book of wisdom even starts to slam those things and saying that we're timid, that we don't know about our plans either. Or even our own earthly body, our own earthly existence, our house, all these different worries that get in the way that all of a sudden it's starting to look very bleak because it starts to paint this picture as if we can't really handle the things of heaven, let alone the things of earth as well, or vice versa. That we really struggle to know all of these things or put them in right order. So all of these deliberations, all of these concerns, how does one know them? How does one know the mind of God? That's by the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's by the wisdom of God that comes from on high. And so while the beginning begins with a problem, it ends with a solution. That it says, sure, all of these things are lofty, they're above our comprehension, but that does not matter, especially if we seek after the Holy Spirit. But that comes into play in just a moment. Then we move on to St. Paul in his letter to Philemon. Now, we're used to so many different letters of St. Paul where he's writing to a specific group of people. So he could be writing to the Colossians, the Thessalonians, or maybe even the Romans. They could be writing to all of these different corporate groups of people. And yet here it's something different because he's writing to an individual. He's writing to Philemon, and if we don't really know the relationship, it actually sets up the context quite beautifully. 
Because Philemon is the master of Onesimus, Onesimus being his slave. And Onesimus has been trying to follow the gospel. He's trying to, been li- trying to live out his faith in a deeper way. And so he's seeking after Paul and trying to get some sort of recourse because he wants to continue to serve the Lord, especially in following Paul and being a servant to him. And so Paul sees the plight of Onesimus, that he knows that he's not able to follow the faith as deeply as he would like because he is in that place of servitude, that he's in fact a slave to Philemon. And so Paul writes this letter to Philemon, and he gives him this petition to simply let Onesimus follow his faith, but indeed to let him go free and not to see him as a slave, but to rather see him as a brother so that he can follow the faith unencumbered. Because St. Paul knows well that Philemon is also a disciple that he's trying to follow and live out his faith well. And so he's really trying to encourage both and trying to get them to live out their faith in a very beautiful way. But he's requiring something of Philemon, and not in a specific way or not in a way that he's forcing his hand, but he's rather trying to encourage him to let Onesimus go free so that he can serve the gospel just as Philemon himself wants to serve it as well. And that's the story that we're given in the second reading. But then we finally move on to this gospel according to Luke, and we're given this beautiful exposition rather on what exactly God wants of us to live out our life of discipleship. But Jesus is speaking to them at that time, and he says, whoever comes to me without hating his mother and his father, his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, and even his own life cannot be my disciple. It's rather strong, and it seems like right out of the gate, he's using something that seems really harsh to our ears, hate, that he seems to be encouraging something that he would rather not us having us do, that he's encouraging us to do something that seems rather negative or rather evil, but we have to understand the context, because he's not saying hatred as an evil thing, but he's rather saying that he's wanting us to be detached that he wants us to put things in their proper order, and God is always going to come first. So whoever does not place God above his mother and his father, his wife and his children, and even his brothers and sisters, and even his own life, cannot be my disciple. That's what Jesus is saying here. And then he says, whoever does not pick up my cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Again, we're very familiar with that image of Jesus' cross, and we often look to it to see our source of salvation, and we see that very clearly. And yet, so often, we have our little crosses in life, and that's what Jesus is encouraging us to pick up, our own small portion of the cross, that we each have our own different way of carrying it. But then he continues on into these two stories to illustrate his point, because he starts to show this one indicated character, that, they're, that he's going out and he's building this tower, and he goes and he amasses some of the resources that he needs. But in fact, whenever it comes to completing it, he doesn't have enough. And so onlookers pass by and they laugh because they see that he didn't have the ability to finish, and yet he started the project anyway. Truly, this was something foolish. Or even a king that is in battle, that he's considering the logistics of everything going on, that he's only got 10,000 troops. Does he think they're strong enough to overtake the 20,000 that are advancing upon him? If not, he's going to have to do something else because he doesn't want to suffer that bitter defeat. 
But the Lord is reminding all of those that are listening and his disciples of that cost of commitment. That in fact, he wants them to see how much it might take to follow the gospel. And in fact, that is the title of this gospel if you look in the Bible, because it calls it the cost of discipleship. And indeed, we can think of it as the cost of committing to being a disciple. But all of this goes to say, as we look at this as a whole, there's one question that really summarizes everything that we see here. Are we so committed to being a disciple? Now, it might be easy on paper to say that we are committed, that we are a disciple, at least in title, but what about truly giving out and counting the cost of what it's going to take? Because so often it does require something of us and something more than just our verbal assent, but it's going to actually require us to give something more, that it's going to require us to give up something or at least to be detached from other things, that we can't simply be a disciple on paper and simply let everything go to the wayside. But that's in fact the first thing that Jesus wants us to remember this morning, that there is a cost and there is a level of commitment, commitment required to being a disciple, that it's not just something that we can do on the side, but it's rather something that we should do with our whole entire body, soul, and spirit. Because we can get so used to these projects that require something of us, or these, these things that are necessary that do require commitment, but our faith also should require a similar level. Because it's not just something on the side, but it's something that really involves our, our commitment and our determination to follow the Lord more closely. But then this also goes into something else that does require for us to live out our commitment well. And this is something we call detachment. Now, detachment doesn't mean that other things don't matter, but in fact means that we're willing to surrender everything that gets in the way of our relationship with the Lord and truly seek out after his heart and his soul and his will for our life. So whenever he goes into this gospel, he says, whoever comes to me without hating his mother and his father, his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, and even his own life cannot be my disciple. What that really indicates to us is that we need to be detached from those things that can hold us back in our life of faith. It doesn't mean that they don't matter, but it means that they have their place in the proper order of things, that God always takes that first place. Because we hear this phrase, cannot be my disciple, and we hear it repeatedly in the gospel. And yet we're really encouraged to think about the things that make us enabled to be disciples. The things that say we can be disciples. And that's a level of detachment saying that we know the cost of what it's going to take to truly be a disciple, but we're willing to count that cost and we're willing to pay it anyway, because being a disciple is that important and our faith is that valuable to us. And then we move into this final point, because as we see all of these things happening, we know that we can't just do it independently of God, but in fact we need his wisdom and we need his counsel from on high. And that's really where the book of wisdom steps in. Because it reminds us that all of these things, whenever we're considering what it's like to be committed as a disciple, we're considering what it is to be detached, so often it can become something that's ethereal or something very abstract. How do we apply it to our life today? That's by the gift of prudence. That's by that gift of the Holy Spirit that tells us exactly how the Lord has a plan for our own life, how he wants and desires something great for each one of us. But that's the reality of where we are, that it's not something that we can come up with ourselves, but it's something that the Lord wants to give to us. And it's not something that we can simply look at maybe the lives of the saints or someone that we consider holy, and we, we follow them to the exact letter of what they're doing. 
But in fact, the Lord has an individual plan for each and every one of us, that he wants us to seek out that prudence or that gift of the Spirit so that we can know exactly where we need to be more committed or we need to be more detached to be a true disciple and where God's calling us deeper into that relationship with him. That's the gift of prudence. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit, knowing what God is calling us to. But then that consideration, all of these things that we have seen, there's some homework involved here. Because I dare say that God is calling each and every one of us to a new way of following him, to a deeper level of being more committed. But what is it? So often it can be in the sacraments, the way the Lord's calling us into a deeper relationship with those, or that he's calling us to receive the sacrament of reconciliation more frequently. Maybe he's calling us to delve into scripture more frequently or something of that nature, or simply just finding out a different way to live out our faith well. Because the Lord's calling us each into a deeper conversion and a deeper way of life, that he wants us to show our commitment in a fuller and deeper way. But it's up to each and every one of us to figure out exactly where that is and exactly how the Lord is calling us to follow him in a new and dramatic way. So my brothers and sisters, commitment to faith is something important. It's something essential to each one of our lives of faith and to our spiritual journey towards the kingdom of heaven. It's something that's vital and essential, and we simply have to be willing to follow the Lord wherever that leads and continue to carry out his plan within our life. So my brothers and sisters, as we consider what it takes to be a committed disciple to the Lord, let's continue to look for those ways that he's calling us to put those things to the side that get in the way and to continue our journey and our relationship with him.